This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the Internet and Radio Ministry of the Christian Crusaders. Did you know that even the strongest biblical heroes were tempted and had moments of failure? Yet they were used tremendously for God's purposes. We also are tempted and have moments of failure. Yet God wants to use our lives for His purposes. This week, we'll talk about that very truth. Join us for our message, How the Mighty Have Fallen. Did you know that the greatest biblical characters were tempted like we are and experienced moments of moral failure like us? Today we're going to talk about David the king and Bathsheba and what unfolded in life after his great fall. To live is to be tempted and we want to seek God's wisdom to know how to fight it. But we also need to know the importance of the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you with hearts open. We want to learn from your word. We want to learn from the stories of your word that inform our faith today. Pour your grace out to us and make us strong in faith. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Today's scripture is the story of David and Bathsheba. I read from 2 Samuel 11, starting with the first verse. Then it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now when evening came, David rose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and the one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her, and when she came to him he lay with her, And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. The woman conceived and said word to David, I am pregnant. Then David sent to Joab and said, Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah came to him, David asked concerning the welfare of Joab, the people, and the state of the war. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. And Uriah went out to the king's house, and a present from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with the servants of his lord, and did not go down to his house. Now when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Have you not come from a journey? Why don't you go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark... And Israel and Judah are staying in temporary shelters, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? By your life and the life of your soul, I will not do this thing. So David sent to Uriah, stay here today and tomorrow also I'll let you go. 
So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. David called him. He ate and drank with him. David made him drunk. And in the evening he went out to lie in his bed with his Lord's servants, but he did not go down to his house. Now David, in the morning, wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he had written in the letter saying, Place Uriah in the front line of the fiercest battle and withdraw your support from him so that he may be struck down and die. This is the word of the Lord. King David was a mighty conquering hero. As a shepherd, he killed a bear and a lion to protect the sheep. But after he was anointed by Samuel with the Holy Spirit to be the next king, he killed the Philistine giant Goliath of Gath. He was the leader of Israel's army, popular with the people, the king's court. It says after he became king in First Chronicles 18 that King David defeated the Philistines, the Moabites, the Syrians, the Edomites, the Amorites, the Amalekites. And the spoils of those victories filled Israel's treasuries with gold, silver, and bronze. He was handsome, powerful, wealthy, loved by the people, famous. King David was on top of the world. And the scripture says, the Lord gave David victory. But this story today tells us how the mighty have fallen. Let's talk about that. So in the spring of the year when kings go off to war, David has lost his initiative He's stepping away from his responsibilities. He stays in Jerusalem. He's restless and bored. In the middle of the night, he's up on his rooftop pacing, and he sees a woman bathing, a beautiful woman. To live is to be tempted. Martin Luther said, you can't stop birds from flying overhead, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. So David inquires of this woman, and the servant reports back, well, she's married to Uriah the Hittite. David blows past that barrier as if it hadn't been said to him. He sends the servants who took her to bring her to the king. That same word, took, is a word used in Hebrew to pluck a grape from a cluster or take the life of a soldier on the battlefield. David took Bathsheba, used his power wrongly to just satisfy his momentary lust. He lays with her. Later she sends and says, I'm pregnant. So David's in a dilemma, and he sends to Joab, the commander of the army, and says, send Uriah home on furlough. He rationalizes that the sin that he has committed will be covered because Uriah will enjoy the company of his wife and no one will be the wiser. Except Uriah carries himself with great integrity in contrast to David's weakness and immorality and cover-up and lies. So the king's lazy shirking of duties gives birth to lust, then power is misused, Adultery happens, and to cover up the misdeed, 
murder. True to the prophet's word, insurrection never leaves David's house. How the mighty have fallen. I think it's important for us to realize that every time we become tempted in life, that there's an underneath vulnerability that makes us more susceptible to the temptation. One would be pride. We become intoxicated with people's praise. We begin to think we're pretty important. We can become drunk with power. Or maybe it's spiritual ambivalence and lack of gratitude. We forget that it's the Lord who gave us our blessings. It might be pure lust, addicted to pleasure. It's a beast that is never satisfied. And we all end up singing rocker Mick Jagger's song, I can't get no satisfaction. Maybe we're under stress. Maybe we are an insecure person, easily manipulated. Maybe we've been hurt a great deal in the past, and the chaos of our emotions are reacting in a way that does wrong. Perhaps we're disillusioned or depressed. Maybe we struggle with low self-esteem. Maybe we're so lonely that we're willing to violate our own faith in God in order to be with someone. Always we're vulnerable if we are unaware or underestimate our enemy, Satan, the great tempter. Sin never happens in a vacuum. It's not just conceptual. People are hurt. Lives are changed forever when we force ourselves in selfish deeds and attitudes on others in our sinfulness. So think of this story, remembering that Satan lies to us and tells us, well, no one will get hurt or no one will know. He's good at lies. So David failed his army to be the leader that would inspire, guide them, and do battle at their side. So David, in his sin, takes a married woman and violates her. He violates the holiness and sanctity of the marriage covenant. And she ends up as a married woman pregnant by another man. David steals the wife of Uriah. Then innocent Uriah is murdered in order that the king's reputation not be marred. David misuses the power of the army wrongfully in purpose to kill Uriah. And the woman Bathsheba is left with tremendous grief and loss. And the chaos in David's house never leaves. The scripture talks about lust that gives birth to sin and then sin gives birth to death. We don't sin in a vacuum. And by the way, did you know that Uriah's name means Yahweh is my light? So the king, David, in the succession as a forefather of Jesus himself, is weak, immoral, and tries to cover his stuff up. 
But Uriah, whose name means Yahweh is my light, carries himself with loyalty to God and king and army and cause. He's a noble man. Well, how do we fight temptation? We also are going to fight temptation when it comes. We all have a shadow side, and Satan knows how to hammer away at us. The first thing I'd say is the Word of God, the Bible. In Psalm 119, it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The second weapon for resisting temptation is prayer. To be in tune with the Holy Spirit, for us to, through prayer, walk in conscious awareness of the Lord, to in prayer confess our weakness, to specifically ask God's Spirit to purge that weakness out of our heart, to ask the Spirit to put to death within us that sinful tendency, and for Jesus to be raised up. It says in 1 John 4, 4, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The Word of God and prayer and Christian fellowship. Especially, find a Christian friend with whom you can talk freely about your vulnerabilities your faithfulness, and your faith journey. Name the struggle. Invite them to hold you accountable. Call on when you need to be strong. Christian fellowship. Fourth, be vigilant. You remember when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den? He prayed for God to close their mouths. But do you think he slept that night? No, I think he stayed awake and watched those lions. He was vigilant. He was alert. In First Peter, it says that Satan comes at us like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be vigilant. Next, battle the temptation. Don't give in. Don't give up. Keep fighting. Even if you get knocked down, get up and keep fighting. I have someone in past church that used to say, any dead fish can float downstream. Swim with vigor. Battle the temptation. Don't give in. Also, run from the temptation. Another friend has said, if you sit in the barbershop long enough, eventually you're going to get your hair cut. Run from temptation. It says in First Timothy, flee temptation, flee immorality. When Joseph in the Old Testament was serving Potiphar, Potiphar's wife every day tempted him to be with her. He said no. One day she dismissed all the servants, grabbed his shirt, and begged him to lay with her. And Joseph, it says, wriggled out of his shirt and ran from Potiphar's house, ran from the temptation. Don't stay in proximity to that which holds you as a vulnerable temptation. Get out of there. Run. Sometimes I tell Satan, in the name of Jesus, 
Leave me alone. My heart belongs to Jesus Christ. Resist temptation. It's really important for us now to know that though David failed miserably and the consequences were very poignant, yet God did not give up on David and God will never give up on you. The moment of failure is a key moment because our enemy attacks us hard to convince us that we've crossed a point of no return. He wants to keep us in an attitude of defeat. But God never gives up on us. He finds us at the point of our failure and offers us the nail-scarred hands of Jesus and embraces us again in love. I come back to where David conquered Goliath and took his head to the outskirts of Jerusalem. Do you remember that the place where Jesus was crucified was called Golgotha? Some biblical scholars believe that it is too coincidental that Goliath of Gath, Gal of Gath, sounds in alliteration so close to Gal of Gath, Golgotha that they believe that the place of the skull, the place where Jesus was crucified, the place where Jesus was lifted up in paradoxical victory, is the very place where David the king put the head of the giant Goliath when he gained tremendous victory. So Jesus paradoxically gains victory for us. Our sin crucified him on the cross. But the cross is the place where victory flows to us in the blood of Jesus, our Savior. In the name of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Today, he again invites you to come. Do not let temptation have its way. But if you fall, do not stay defeated and in the clutches of the enemy who wants to continue to pull you further and further down. Bring your sins to Jesus. Bathe with the confidence of faith that Jesus will forgive you just as he has promised. Maybe you know someone who had a great fall like David. Maybe in your own life journey you've had a David immoral moment. Or maybe you are presently still living in a pattern of immorality and defeat. Today is a day of grace. Today is a day for forgiveness. The word of God promises if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I praise God that my relationship is not based on my perfection, but my salvation is based on the free grace of Jesus Christ crucified for you and me. Amen. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you. And for me, see on the pole.
He's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling. Promised, promised for you and for me. Though we have sinned, He has mercy and pardon, pardon for you and for me. Come home. Lord, we are humbled before you, and we come to you to honestly confess we're sinners needing your grace. Forgive us for all the times where we have defied you, rebelled against you, done what we know is wrong. Forgive us when we have fallen flat on our face. Forgive us when we have failed to bear witness to you or failed to give you glory. We come to you because Jesus has gone to the cross for us. We come to you because Jesus is raised from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins. We ask you for mercy and grace and thank you for salvation in Christ's name. Amen. Hear this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been worshiping with the Internet and Radio Ministry of the Christian Crusaders. It is our prayer that you are prepared to resist temptation when it comes. And when you fall prey to sin, you will come to God to receive forgiveness and be cleansed by the free gift of mercy and grace in Jesus Christ. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry supported entirely by the gifts of our listening audience. We now broadcast on 25 radio stations in the United States, shortwave over North America and Europe, Transworld Radio, and in Kenya over Imani Radio, as well as on the Internet at ChristianCrusaders.org and OnePlace.org. Gifts both large and small help keep us on the air. 
If you enjoyed today's program and are in a position to do so, we ask that you help support the mission of Christian Crusaders to spread the light of the gospel so no one need walk alone. Send your letters of support to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. We appreciate both your prayerful and financial gifts. Today's message is available to be read or heard anytime on the Internet. Our redesigned website vibrantly presents this week's program as well as previous programs. Please take a moment to visit us online at christiancrusaders.org. We are happy you chose to worship with us today. We pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting the service was the Reverend Lee Lavig, pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Spencer, Iowa, and associate speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 82nd year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.